Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Yeah, what's going on? Feeling that Scott Mentum. Scott Mentim. Momentum. Tim Scott's going to run for president. All right. He just wrapped up his remarks. All right, so you've heard the uh, the old saying, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend, right? So this weekend, there was celebration of the legend in Charlotte. And the legend is that a year before the Declaration of Independence in Philadelphia... Uh, there was a Declaration of Independence signed in Mecklenburg County in Charlotte. Unfortunately, there's no written copy. They had one. They sent it up to Philadelphia. So the story goes. They wrote it up to Philadelphia, and there isn't any record that this Declaration of Independence exists. Now, there is... uh, There is record of a document called the Mecklenburg Resolves. That was drawn up like 11 days after the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. We know the Resolves did exist. They got published in newspapers up there and stuff. So we know that that one is legit. Um, There are only five of the Resolves at first. And they had like a whole bunch of... anyway. They had a whole bunch of different uh, 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 portions of it that dealt with like, okay, look, you know, this is how we're going to order ourselves and all of this. So, and I mean, I could go over like resolved that whoever directly or indirectly abetted or in any way, form or manner countenanced the uncharted and dangerous invasion of our rights as claimed by Great Britain is an enemy to this county, to America and to the inherent and inalienable rights of man. Now, that's resolve number one. Now, these resolves, I think, are also important. But everybody focuses on the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence because we were first. But the problem is, we don't know if it's true. And I know that some people really believe it one way or the other. I don't know. I am skeptical. I'm just, I like, for me, the jury is out. But the evidence... If I had to, you know, gun to the head, had to say yes or no, I'm, I, I would have to say no. I would have to say no. Now, that being said, I'm fine with big celebrations of it, right? When the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Make a big show of it and all of that. You could do an 11 day. It could be like the 11 days of Mecklenburg or something. Or the 11 days of Liberty. Because May 20th, 1775, that's actually on our state flag. And it got put on there like years later. But it's on the state flag. But then the resolves were done 11 days later. So we can actually have like a whole 11-day festival. And believe it or not, uh, presidents used to come to town and 
have big speeches to celebrate the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, the MECDEC, as it's called. I've got the book. I, I bought the book, literally. It's called Chain of Error and the Mecklenburg Declarations of Independence by V.V. McNitt. And um, MECDEC Day, annual celebration in Charlotte, May 20th. And, like, we're, well, let's see, 7075. So, yeah, we're going to be coming up on, like, a big anniversary of it in, like, two more years. And the flag has the reference to the date. It's long been debated whether the document is authentic or if it is a misinterpretation of the Mecklenburg Resolves. That's the key. Is it a misinterpretation of the resolves? This is according to the Charlotte Mecklenburg Library. For the believers, it was created by approximately 25 leading Mecklenburgers, Mecklenburgians. No, I know it's Mecklenburgers because there was actually a TV show on the government channel back in the early 2000s called the Mecklenburgers. We're the Mecklenburgers. Yeah, they had a whole theme song and everything. Um, it was like a sitcom. You remember that? Suzanne Stevens was in it. Who else? Who? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Oh, uh, Robert Rayford. Robert D. Rayford was in it too. I think. Um, Twenty-five leading Mecklenburg citizens gathered at the courthouse May 19, 1775, to discuss the troublesome relationship between England and the American colonies. Each local militia company sent two representatives to the courthouse. By the way, there's a story I remember reading about how there was this race to build a courthouse first in Mecklenburg because whatever town could build the courthouse, that made you the county seat. And so, if memory serves, uh, Charlotte just basically threw up some shack. (laughs) I called it the courthouse. I constructed this thing. And everybody, like in the other towns that were also trying to build courthouses, they were like, that doesn't even really count as a courthouse. Come on. Anyway, so they all go to the courthouse, these uh, militia company leaders, and relations between the colonies and the mother country had reached crisis in Boston, Massachusetts, following the 1774 passage of the Coercive Acts by the British Parliament. And during the meeting in Mecklenburg County, the May 19th meeting, They're all showing up, and these being militia types, they didn't take too kindly to the news that arrived that day about the Battle of Lexington and Concord, which was fought in Massachusetts just one month earlier. So of all the days, right, of all the days that this news would arrive, the day of the militia gathering, where they were already kind of agitated about the relationship with England, And then they find out that you shot on British subjects, right? That there was this gun battle that occurred, shot heard around the world. Outraged by this turn of events, the delegates unanimously passed resolutions at 2 a.m. on May 20th. These are the the list of resolves, right? These are from the MEC deck, supposedly. We, the citizens of Mecklenburg County, do hereby dissolve the political bands which have connected us to the mother country and hereby absolve ourselves from all allegiance to the British crown. And 
abjure all political connection, contract, or association with that nation who have wantonly trampled on our rights and liberties and inhuman, inhumanly shed the innocent blood of American patriots at Lexington. Resolved that we do hereby declare ourselves a free and independent people and of right ought to be a sovereign and self-governing association under the control of no power other than that of our God and the general government of the Congress to the maintenance of which independence we solemnly pledge to each other our mutual cooperation, our lives, our fortunes, and our most sacred honor. Does some of that language sound familiar? There were two others. I think I said earlier that the first one I read was part of the, the Mecklenburg Resolves. That's not, that was part of the MECDEC. I apologize if I said that. Um, so there are two others that they acknowledge the existence and control of no law or legal officer, civil or military within this country uh, from the Crown. And he says, uh, each and every military officer in this county is hereby reinstated to his former command and authority. He acting conformably to these regulations and that every member present of the delegation shall henceforth be a civil officer. And then uh, the signatures and the document in question was written by John McNitt Alexander, clerk of the meeting. Now, if the story is true, the Mecklenburg Declaration preceded the U.S. Declaration of Independence by more than a year. There's a, there's a slight problem, teensy-weensy problem, There is no publication of the document of the time. No contemporaneous publication of the document. So there's no proof (laughs) that the document actually existed at the time. But after May, so early June, Captain James Jack of Charlotte, he, that's the big statue over there at Central Piedmont Community College, right? He jumps on his horse. Now, he did exist, and he did ride All the way to Philadelphia, he was sent to the Continental Congress, and he carried a copy of the resolves and a letter asking North Carolina's congressman to have the Mecklenburg proceedings approved by Congress. The congressional delegation, Richard Caswell, William Hooper, and Joseph Hughes, told Captain Jack uh, that although they supported what was done, it was premature to discuss a Declaration of Independence in Congress. Interestingly enough, though, Jack's ride was documented in Moravian texts, which recounted the dates that he traveled through Salem, North Carolina. The document has not yet been found among the papers of Caswell, Hooper, or Hughes. The original document burned in 1800. That was when the home of McNitt Alexander burned down. There is no verifiable existence and no reference to it has been found in any newspapers at the time, 1775. But the early government of North Carolina, to be rather than to seem, convinced that the Mecklenburg Declaration was genuine, maintained that North Carolinians were, in fact, the first Americans to declare independence from Great Britain. As a result, both the seal and the flag bear the date of the Declaration which we don't know existed. Right next to that line in Latin that says to be rather than to seem. Now, there is some evidence that it could be true. I'll get to that in a minute. 
All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. By popular demand. This was an actual TV show on the government channel. And yes, we are your neighbors. We'll lend you a hand if you need one. We are here. We are there. We are everywhere. Well, but mainly in Mecklenburg. I mean, I don't know if they're everywhere. And then it just kind of fades out from there. Yeah. So that was it. That was the Mecklenburgers TV show. <laughs> it was on... Uh, the government channel 16, I believe, channel 16. I don't even know what the channels are anymore. If they, do they even, st- I know the show's not on any longer, but I just now watch it on YouTube all the time. I haven't had cable in a while. So yeah, the Mecklenburgers taxpayer funded. Well, and they talked about different services and stuff, you know, that the, that Mecklenburg County government did and they built it into the show. And they were always getting into wacky hijinks and such. That's how I know Mecklenburgers are called Mecklenburgers, because of that show. That's the only thing I learned from the multiple seasons it was on air. It does have a, a single thumbs up on the YouTube channel, though. So that's good. All right, so the uh, Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. So um, supposedly the document perished in a fire at the the guy who was the secretary of the uh, the convention that was called in Mecklenburg, May 19th, 1775, where they gathered, the, these militia guys gathered, and they were like, mm, so mad at the British. And then just by coincidence, they get told, hey, Lexington and Concord happened. Now they're like, that's it. We're out. And they're like, Declaration of Independence. And they write it up, and it's this, you know, we hate you, Britain. We're out. And um, and then they were like, okay, let's let, let's rework it, though. And then, like, 11 days later, they reconvene, uh, they hash out some more stuff, some of these resolves, and then they send Captain uh, Jack on his ride up to Philadelphia. Now, I will say that Captain Jack did claim that this was true. He was interviewed years and years later. See, because what happens is the story of the, the mech deck would have quietly faded away, according to the Charlotte Museum, becoming at best a local curiosity, except for some incredible developments around 1819. And around that time, Dr. Joseph Alexander, the son of John McNitt Alexander, found among his dad's papers a written account and text of the Mecklenburg Declaration story. He had the story then printed in the Raleigh Register and the North Carolina Gazette, the state's largest newspaper. The Raleigh Register 
story then got reprinted nationally in other papers, one of which was up in Massachusetts, where former President John Adams saw it, and he was astonished. So he wrote to Tom Jefferson, yo, what's up with this? June 22nd, 1819, he says, May I enclose you one of the greatest curiosities and one of the deepest mysteries that ever occurred to me? That's the nice way of saying, you're a plagiarist. (laughs) The Mecklenburg Declaration came as a great surprise to John Adams. How is it possible that this paper should have been concealed from me to this day? What a poor, ignorant, malicious, short-sighted, crapulous mass is Thomas Paine's common sense in comparison with this paper. The genuine sense of America at that moment was never expressed so well before nor since. What is he saying here? First off, he's denigrating common sense by Thomas Paine, right? He's denigrating that when comparing it to this newspaper, the Raleigh Register, and the story documenting the Mecklenburg Declaration. He is baiting Jefferson. And if you know anything about their relationship, right, Adams and Jefferson, it was hot and cold, on and off kind of, you know, over the years. (laughs) So what does Jefferson say? I will tell you in a moment. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Yeah, Beth says now she has a, an earworm from that Mecklenburgers tune. I'm a giver. <laughs> uh, yeah. Alan, uh, by the way, the uh, phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Got an email from Alan who says, Many of the leaders of Mecklenburg County and Charlottetown signed the declaration. At least 12 signers were Freemasons. They meet at Hezekiah Alexander's house on the grounds of the Charlotte Museum of History. Um, Yeah, I've got the list. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is they tried to piece this together. i got 28 names here. I have a list of 28 names. Abraham Alexander, Adam Alexander, Charles Alexander, Ezra Alexander, Hezekiah Alexander, John McNitt Alexander, Wait Still Avery, Reverend Hezekiah Balch, Richard Berry, Dr. Ephraim Brevard, Major John Davidson, Henry Downs, John Flanagan, John Ford, William Graham, James Harris, Robert Harris, Robert Irwin, William Kennan, Matthew McClure, Neil Morrison, Duncan Oakletree, Benjamin Patton, John Pfeiffer, Colonel Thomas Polk, John Query, David Reese, and Zacchaeus Wilson Sr. um, Okay, so... When John Adams sees this story uh, uh, reprinted from the Raleigh Register, talking about the Mecklenburg Declaration, he then sends it over to his good pal Thomas Jefferson and, you know, points out some of the language looks pretty similar. Oh, I, I, I think they've captured the spirit of America at the time. This was years later, right? 
Um, and so Jefferson, though, does not take Adams' bait. Does not take it. What Jefferson responds with is the following, quote, What has attracted my peculiar notice is the paper from Mecklenburg County, and you seem to think it genuine. I believe it's spurious. And he questioned, why hasn't anybody ever heard of this Mecklenburg Declaration? Quote, would not every advocate of independence have rung the glories of Mecklenburg County in North Carolina? Yet the example of independent Mecklenburg County in North Carolina was never once quoted. Which is kind of odd. That's kind of odd, right? If they had if they had done this and run it up there and they had talked to the members of the Continental Congress, wouldn't somebody up there have mentioned it at some point? Jefferson concluded by stating that although there was no evidence that the Mech deck was true, he would keep an open mind. He said, quote, nor do I affirm positively that this paper is a fabrication because the proof of a negative can only be presumptive. But I shall believe it such until positive and solemn proof of its authenticity shall be produced. For the present, I must be an unbeliever in the apocryphal gospel. And so this was the beginning of the debate. Well, after the local folks heard about Jefferson's response, which we didn't know, and nobody knew any of this until after he died, okay? After he died and they published some of his um, uh, his letters afterwards. Well, they had started by 1819, Mecklenburgers, people in North Carolina and Tennessee, which shared an early history, they began to take pride in the previously unheralded and unknown Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. Before then, Virginia and Massachusetts had gotten all of the credit, right? The Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence clearly enhanced North Carolina's role, already notable because of the Halifax Resolves of April 1776. The first celebration of the anniversary of the supposed adoption of the Mecklenburg Declaration took place in Charlotte on May 20th, 1825. A lot of North Carolinians were offended when Jefferson's skeptical letter about the MacDeck was posthumously published in 1829. So you got four years of the annual celebration going on now. In questioning the authenticity of the MacDeck, Jefferson, a Virginian, had impolitically referred to William Hooper, one of North Carolina's signers of the American Declaration of Independence. He had called Hooper a Tory. According to uh, historians, Jefferson used the term to mean that Hooper had been conservative on declaring independence, not to imply that he had been a loyalist to the crown. But North Carolinians felt their honored patriots had been slighted. The state of North Carolina responded to Jefferson's letter in 1831. So two years later, They get around to formulating a response with an official pamphlet that reprinted the, so essentially like they took to the internet, it's like the Facebook comment section, right? How dare you? So they go and they print out a a pamphlet that reprinted the previously published accounts with some additional testimony in support of the MEC deck. This was then followed in 1834 with a book by a leading North Carolina historian named Joseph Sewell Jones. 
It was called A Defense of the Revolutionary History of the State of North Carolina from the Aspersions of Mr. Jefferson. <laughs> that's the name. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's the name of the book. Okay. He defended the patriotism of William Hooper, and he accused Jefferson of being envious that a tiny little county in North Carolina had declared independence at a time when the Sage of Monticello was still hoping for reconciliation with Great Britain. And then on May 20th, 1835, more than 5,000 people gathered in Charlotte to celebrate the Mech Deck. So the arguments for this, I know I've, line, uh, uh, I've laid out a lot of arguments against it. <clears throat> there, are, there are some pieces of information, some of which turn out to be hoaxes, but there are some other pieces of information. Okay. Advocates of the Mech Deck have argued that both the Mech Deck and the Mecklenburg Resolves are authentic, that they were two separate documents, okay? This argument came around uh, in the 1900s, and it was first advanced by Professor Archibald Henderson of the University of North Carolina, who, beginning in 1916, wrote numerous articles on the subject. He believed that the evidence showed that Mecklenburg County had adopted two sets of resolutions that the text of the Mech Deck was not recreated from memory. He says that the events as described in Dr. Alexander's 1819 article were substantially correct, and then this work was supplemented in a book in 1960 by a journalist named V.V. McNitt, and that is the book Chain of Error and the Mecklenburg Declarations of Independence, the book that I have right here in front of me. Yeah, I bought it. <laughs> I really like I really do want this story to be true. One of the strongest pieces of nearly contemporaneous evidence in support of the MECDEC is a diary entry that was discovered in 1904. The entry is unsigned, so it's Good enough to publish in the Washington Post, I would dare say. It's an anonymous source, right? So that's the... Mm. It was a, in, is written in 1783. According, This is internal evidence suggests it was written in Salem, North Carolina by this merchant named Trogot Baggy. I think is how he pronounces it. <laughs> he was a Moravian merchant. Trogot Baggy. He wrote it in German. And so then they translated it, and he talks about what happened in Charlotte and the Declaration of Independence. But there's reason for skepticism on this. I'll explain. All right, hey, real quick. It is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock. It's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to Mix1079.com and get tickets and come bust a move on the dance floor or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to Mix1079.com and thank you for considering the request. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. And the email is p 
Pete at ThePeteCallanerShow.com. On Twitter, it's at Pete Callaner. All righty, so um, we've got we got this fella, Trogotbaggy. The English translation of the German entry in his diary says, I cannot leave unmentioned at the end of the 1775th year that already in the summer of this year, that is in May, June, or July, the county of Mecklenburg in North Carolina declared itself free and independent of England and made such arrangements for the administration of the laws among themselves as later the Continental Congress made for all this Congress, however, considered these proceedings premature. So this was found in a diary, like the early 1900s, and they dated it back to 1783, Salem, North Carolina, by a merchant, uh, a Moravian merchant. But skeptics argue that the diary entry merely suggests that Baggy, or Baget, Baget, B-A-G-G-E, any Moravians or German speaking, um, that he wrote this eight years after the event. And he probably misinterpreted the Mecklenburg Resolves, which actually do exist, as having been an actual declaration of independence when it wasn't. Um, Alan says, Hezekiah and John Alexander were delegates to the Halifax Convention that resulted in the Halifax Resolves. Uh, Mark, ah, Mark, he loved the Mecklenburgers TV show. My favorite episode was when Rayford went to the health department and got some free cheese. Suzanne Stevens ended the show with the line, you know, it's not a real Mecklenburger without a slice of government cheese. (laughs) I don't think that was a real episode. Mark, it does remind me of that Andy Griffin episode, though. That one. No, I'm just kidding. Four U.S. presidents visited Charlotte to participate in the Mecklenburg Day celebrations on May 20th. William Howard Taft, who was always down for a party, as I heard. Woodrow Wilson. He just blathered on and on and on about, like, the League of Nations or something. Eisenhower. And then Gerald Ford. Aware of the controversy, the presidents generally praised the revolutionary patriots of Mecklenburg County without ever specifically endorsing the authenticity of the document. (laughs) So you had four presidents show up to celebrate and be like, yeah, America, woo, yeah, I'm here on this day where something happened that I'm not going to talk about. (laughs) Never, never mentioning the document. Um, Dean, in in a tweet here, it's a Pete tweet. Dean says, Pete, if the North Carolina... Or, or the Mecklenburg Declaration happened, some, uh, surely somebody would have cell phone video of it. That's true. Yeah, that is true. That's how you know it didn't happen. There's no cell phone video. Tom says, Pete, the Mecklenburg ABC stores sold a Captain Jack porcelain bourbon decanter in the late 1970s to commemorate the deed. So it has to be true. Surely, government-run liquor stores would never seek to capitalize on something like that. I got a uh, message here from Matthew. Uh, He says, no offense to our fine friends in Mecklenburg County, but that date should be removed from the state flag. 
given the sketchy historical record of the Mecklenburg Declaration. Instead, I believe we should replace May 20th, 1775 with December 17th, 1903. To commemorate, anybody know? Wright Brothers, first flight. In your face, Ohio! Why is it, like, how come these claims to fame that we have are always contested? Like, what's up? They, they're like, because you know the whole deal with the Wright Brothers, they were, like, they went from Ohio, where they had the bike shop, right? And then they came down to North Carolina to fly it. And... Like, that's a really long trip, but it began like this. I mean, that was, as far as I know, like the first pilgrimage of all of these people from Ohio that always come down 77 into the Carolinas. Like, it's it started that that migration pattern and never stopped. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why they went to the uh, the beach. I guess there's no place in Ohio, no flat. I guess it's not flat enough or something. No winds. Uh, why couldn't they have just gone up to... Like, Chicago area. I hear it's windy up there. Like, it's in the name. Anyway. Um, so we should replace it with December 17th uh, to commemorate uh, that. Uh, P.S. My daughter's birthday is April 12th, the date of the more historically accurate Halifax Resolves. And I'm quite proud of that. Great show as always. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate it. I Well, there you go. Why not do May 31 for the Mecklenburg Resolves? Right? We know that one existed. I don't know. I want to believe. I just need a piece of evidence. That's all I'm asking for.